You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello! Welcome to the Animal Party. I hope you brought your dogs and your cats and your party shoes and maybe your little recipe cards with your uh, flash points and your debate points and your most important things you feel have to be said about your favorite. What am I talking about? What is your favorite? Do you like dogs? Maybe you don't like cats at all. Or maybe you like cats and you don't like dogs at all. Maybe you think that uh, cats rule and dogs drool. Maybe you're tired of cleaning up litter box messes or There's all kinds of pros and cons to owning dogs and cats, and today we decided to tackle this great debate, cats versus dogs, dogs versus cats, which is better. We're going to talk about history, bonds, body, training, intelligence, personality, sociability, usefulness, beauty, athleticism, and maybe the cleaning and the care and the time, too. Yeah, well, that's giving the cats an edge, isn't it? Well, we'll see, because we've got two experts on today. We've got Dr. Professor Stanley Korn, author of Born to Bark and many others, including The Intelligence of Dogs, which I absolutely love. And then we've got Darlene Arden on the cat couch. She'll be arguing on behalf of the felines in our lives, and her book, her newest book, is The Complete Cat's Meow. She's also the author of Small Dogs, Big Hearts, which I love. And so I'm bringing you the best from the dog world, the best from the cat world, to debate this issue today. So welcome to the show, Dr. Corin and Darlene. Welcome to the show. Woof, woof. <laughs> we'll see oh, well, he's going to start by barking. <laughs> that's just typical, isn't it? The dog barges in and the cat holds back. Well, let's find out, Darlene. Maybe we'll let you go first. Why do you think cats are so much better than dogs? For the purposes of this debate, because I do know you love dogs, too. No, and I love dogs equally. I'm multicultural. I like anything with a leg on each or four corners, as Betty White says. So it's not so much different. I think... The problem is that most people have, have believed all of these old wives' tales about cats, and until they live with one and really put the time into learning about them, they're going to believe these old wives' tales, and I want to know who these old wives are. They talk about, you know, most people think cats are independent. Well, they're solo hunters, but they're not solitary creatures. Right. You know, if you have a cat, you notice that the cat is up on your lap when you're trying to read or on your computer table or on top of your book. Well, the cat's not trying to drive you crazy. The cat's trying to solicit attention. Mm-hmm. If the dog were up near you, you'd understand that. But most people don't project what the cat is feeling. They don't observe enough. And cats don't really want to be alone. Cats can be trained. Cats can do wonderful things. They have, you know, I'm an advocate of going to a shelter to get a cat, but certainly if you want a pedigreed cat, there are plenty of those in rescue, and there are responsible breeders. And every pedigreed cat has its own characteristics, just the way purebred dogs do. So Okay, well, you're giving us a really good overview of the general stuff about cats, and I'm thinking things like, 
if a cat falls out of a two-story building, it usually writes itself and is fine, whereas a dog goes flat. And I'm thinking well, things like that. Well, it the point where the <laughs> dog... Why are you throwing it out of a two-story building? Yes, <laughs> exactly. And the cat and you know will what? go That's... flat and will be, have broken bones and will be dead. You know, they do have a writing well, mechanism, but they can't go from a huge building. That is true. And there was one terrible one that happened um, during the Olympics where somebody got in and robbed a place and they took the cat who was trying to protect the apartment and threw it out the window. And it actually did break legs and hips and all kinds of horrible things. So it is, it is a bit of a myth. But I'm, I am contrasting the gracefulness and the ability, the athleticism perhaps of the cat to the dog, which I think is in your favor on this one. But we've, we've given it a little bit of a, given people a little bit of an idea why cats might be better. Let's, uh, let's let the professor tell us why he thinks dogs are better. Okay, and I will talk uh, quietly so that I won't um, <laughs> offend my wife's <laughs> cat, who I happen to like, but I will never admit that. Um, the, uh, the, the truth of the matter is that uh, dogs were bred specifically to be human companions, and uh, they do that very, very well. Um, cats, on the whole, tend to be all of one general flavor. They tend, I mean, there are differences. There's the Maine Coon cat who really thinks he's a dog. But, you know, the vast majority of cats are all cut out of one cloth. And either your personality and your lifestyle uh, fits that particular uh, cut of cloth, or the cat just doesn't work out for you. For dogs... You can select, you can find a dog breed which fits just about any mood, any personality that you like. I mean, we go all the way from uh, Dobermans to kissy-faced golden retrievers to a little cavalier King Charles Spaniels who think that they are cats and that sort of thing. So, you know, you you have a a large selection of different personalities and uh, different types. And furthermore, uh, dogs can serve a function. I mean, you know, if you're a hunter, if you need your place guarded, if your kids keep going astray and you need somebody to find them, dogs, in fact, will serve those kinds of purposes as well as the formal purposes like seeing eye dogs and hearing assistance dogs and handicapped assistance dogs and, and that sort of thing. And the, the final thing is that um, when it comes to the overall intelligence of the beasts, the research is really quite clear. Dogs, on the whole, are about equivalent to a human two-year-old, and the super dogs, the ones in the top 20%, are equivalent to about a two-and-a-half-year-old, and cats are equivalent to a human 18-month-old, and the super cats, which are the ones in the top 20% of intelligence, are equivalent to about a, a human two-year-old. And that's in terms of sort of their, their language learning ability and, and that sort of thing. Finally, you know, if you tell a dog to do something, for the most part, the dog gets the idea that maybe he's supposed to do something. If you tell a cat to do something, he has a wonderful way of turning around and showing you his tail end. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to let Darlene respond to that, and then we're going to go to commercial and come back for some more talk about oh, cats and I'm dogs happy and what's to better. Respond to that. First okay. of all, there are many cat breeds, and you can choose the cat's personality and activity level just as you would the dog's personality and activity level. If you want somebody talkative and really active, you might look at one of the oriental breeds like the Siamese or the 
oriental short hair. If you're like I am and prefer something much quieter, I live with a chartreuse who is basically Marcel Marceau in a cat suit. <laughs> Activity level, the Abyssinian. There's a reason these cats do extremely well in cat agility. And oh, see, now I love those. Those ones are hoop jumpers. They can, I could teach them to go through a hoop in about a minute, any place exactly. I'm Exactly, and they love that sort of thing. But each breed of cat has its own characteristics, just as each breed of dog does that will best match up with the owner. As far as guarding is concerned, the exact cat that I don't want to own is the one who's going to be the great guard cat because if somebody comes at you from the top of the refrigerator because you're a stranger and lands on top of you, it's going to be enough of a blood-curdling scream to warn the owner to get either the police or the gun, whatever. And Especially if you have a bald head like I do. Oh, well, that, there's a bonus right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be nice. Remember the movie, the where the guy would come jumping out at him? It's kind of like Kato, that. Yeah. But they can be, they train extremely easily. I use operant conditioning, and I've had so much fun with that. The cat training is not an oxymoron. It's, as you oh, said, well, yeah, you that's can, our you know. next topic. Okay, Darlene, we're going to go to commercial and we'll come back and we'll talk about training because Dr. Korn's convinced that the studies show, and I'm sure they do, that cats are not as bright as dogs. Now, I always huh. mention studies humans devise to show the smartness of other beings in relation usually to humans and usually measured by things humans do well. But okay, we'll talk about that. We'll see if the tests really do measure their intelligence. But even if it's true that they're a little bit slower... I, I don't see it. At escaping, definitely not. It depends what kind of intelligence. At hunting and tracking, no, they're not less intelligent there. At some things, perhaps, and maybe we'll find that out. But then I, I want to talk about trainability because Darlene's saying you can train a cat, and I know people listening are probably imagining a seeing eye cat and shaking their heads. So we'll be back from commercials. Stay tuned to Animal Party. Because the best is yet to come. Stick around. Buster. You're telling me my dog food products can't go on your shelves? That's right. Didn't pass one of my Petco certified nutrition checklists. Sorry, Wayne. Who made these checklists? Geniuses. Very smart guys. Well, it's good enough for most grocery stores. Do you see cheese puffs on my shelves? Mayonnaise? Soda pop? No. That's because I ain't running no grocery store, Wayne. Your pets will get better nutrition. I guarantee it. Petco. Where the healthy pets go. Enter the code PARTY10, P-A-R-T-Y, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. Whether they're big, small, hairy, or whatever, you're going to need gear for your feet. And Kids Foot Locker's got all the great shoes and gear that'll get you in the game. Go to kidsfootlocker.com and enter the code AFAP10KF to get 10% off any order of $50 or more. Or enter the code AFAP15KF to get 15% off any order of $75 or more at kidsfootlocker.com. And cover those funky feet. 
like your business to reach out and invite in our audience. We have a brand new trademark concept called Info Seeds. Info Seeds are short 20 second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service. Is the best, most cost effective way to invite us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit the website petliferadio.com. Click on sponsorship information. There you can listen to a sample of Info Seed. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available. Hi, everybody. I'm Megan Blake here with my sidekick, Super Smiley. The giant mutt and spokes dog for throwaways. You're listening to Pet Life Radio, and I'd like to tell you about our brand new show, A Super Smiley Adventure. Our show explores adventures with animals. They can be traveling, out in the world trips, or inner journeys where our animals lead us to inspiration and self-discovery, or just plain fun adventures. Join us here on Pet Life Radio on A Super Smiley Adventure. Good boy. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. You're inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go. Hello. We're back at the party with Dr. Stan Corin and Darlene Arden. And they're both authors of great books. One on dogs, one on cats. Dr. Corin's book is Born to Bark. And Darlene's book, latest book, is The Complete Cat's Meow. So you can kind of tell by that which side they're representing today. Now, Dr. Corin's always happy to represent the dogs. Not really happy to represent the cats. Darlene can go either way. She's bipetual like me, but today she's representing the cats, and we're talking about intelligence. And Dr. Corn did hit a few zingers there about how dumb cats are 18 month old versus the two to two and a half year old dog uh, range that compares to a human baby. So, okay, can we have the real truth there, Dr. Corn? Is it really true that? Even though our eyes show us that a cat can escape a place probably better than most dogs when it needs to, and a cat can hunt better than most dogs, how, how can you say it's not as smart? Well, I mean, when we're talking about dog intelligence, and presumably this is about cat intelligence as well, uh, there are three types of intelligence which we tend to talk about. One is instinctive intelligence, which is what the animal was bred to do. So, you know, uh, retrievers are bred to retrieve, and herding dogs are bred to herd, and Cats, in many instances, have been bred to be uh, good barometers and, and mousers and that sort of thing. Um, the next form of intelligence is adaptive intelligence, which is what the animal can learn for itself. And uh, and there, you know, you have you have lots of variations uh, within a breed and within an individual. And finally, we have working in obedience intelligence, and that's really the equivalent of sort of school learning. And when we tend to talk about just, you know, how smart our kids are and that sort of thing, we tend to be talking about school learning, you know, how well do they do in the You know what, though? I find that strange. I find that strange even about children because I like to – sometimes I'm looking at the playground and I see the one kid who's last always or lingering and I think, you know, if a bear showed up right now, he'd be the one. Like there is something too adaptable, this this ability, and I think in children too, it's it's underestimated and not not looked at. You know, my daughter's ability to manipulate socially is definitely a skill that would do her well in any community or tribe, and, and that's the kind of thing that they just don't measure. Well, that's the reason why we break things up into three different types of intelligence, and this working in obedience intelligence is nice for a number of reasons. First of all, we can measure it. 
And second of all, it's the kind of intelligence which we can, in fact, make comparisons across uh, species and also comparisons to human beings uh, on. And that allows us to, you know, uh, rank order the various breeds of dogs. So we do have some Einsteinian dogs and we have some dogs which, you know, are no smarter than cats. So you're kind of conceding that the test is the test you use to determine the IQ is more geared toward the training ability intelligence that is easier that's, measured in dogs than that, cats. That's that's one of the okay. forms of intelligence, and that's one of the ones which uh, we can use to compare across. I okay. mean, nobody's going to say that cats are not do not have good adaptive intelligence. Right. I mean, they're they're wonderful mousers and. And that sort of thing. And that's one of the reasons why we had them in the first place. I mean, they were a godsend. Okay, you know what, though? I think we should cut to Darlene here because I think she's going to argue that it's not just that, that they do have trainable intelligence. Is, is that what's coming out next on the cat end of the couch? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I'm always amazed by people who think the cats can't be trained. First of all, you put your, you know, use your can opener and the cat comes running because he's already been trained that that means there's food. But using operant conditioning, or more popularly known as clicker training, is a very quick way of training cats. Their reward might be a little different. They won't work for exactly the same thing. But cats can jump through hoops. They can be trained to weave. Mine comes on when she's called by name. She has a very nice recall. She has a perfect, she executes a perfect sit. She can weave, she can spin. And I didn't even spend that much time with her. I didn't have the time to spend with her that I might have liked to have spent training. They train beautifully. I have a mental image of cats all over the world because of this great stigma that's been applied to them, sitting around doing the mental image of twiddling their thumbs because they're bored out of their wits. They aren't given the kind of stimulation that people automatically give to dogs because they think, oh, cats can't be trained. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. If you've seen the Russian circus cats, the ones that are, I mean, they're just domestic house cats that are doing all kinds of tricks. Dr. Corin, can I ask you, in the studies they did, did they ever test trained cats? Did they ever test performance cats? Were they, you know, the way they did the super dogs and they had this sort of upper echelon they tested, did they test an upper echelon of cats? Well, when they test both dogs and cats, they tend to select random samples of uh, pets, usually, uh, in this instance. And uh, so, you know, it runs a range of uh, across breeds and a range across living conditions and that sort of thing. And, I mean, you know, I think that there are three things which you can say to refute the idea that, you know, cats are as trainable as dogs. And uh, the three things might be a police cat, search and rescue cat, Seeing eye cat. I mean, you know, oh, I we're, knew you were, we're never going to see that. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. Police. Well, there are cats that help in trauma when children who've been sexually abused or have had a terrible, terrible time get are at the intake level at the police station. So you might call those police workers, I suppose. And then, what else did you say? There are cats working in war. And what they're doing is desensitizing rodents. So they're cats trained somehow, probably specially selected as well, but also trained not to hunt the rodents so that the rodents become trained to ignore cats so that rodents can then go out and find the mines because rodents are better at this than anybody. 
So that, that's kind of an interesting cat use. I'm trying to think what else. There's lots of cats at the Delta Society. Isn't there about a thousand of them at the Delta Society? Darlene, what's going on in the cat world? Are there working cats? There are working cats in the sense that there are therapy cats that are used not just on visits to the elderly or to children, but they are also used for occupational therapy. If you can get someone to brush a cat who doesn't want to use their arm, that's the same kind of work that they do with dogs. There's no difference between them. Cats can, can get into small places. They can be trained to do almost anything a dog can do. Do they want to? Well, you're not going to find a, you <laughs> know, a team of eight sled cats. <laughs> Nobody's no. stupid enough to pull <laughs> me on a sled, you know, not you know, one cat. So I don't think they're going to be doing that. As far as you know what, cow- though, there was a team of standard poodles that pulled a sled through the Iditarod. So, you know, and people, people, forget people type standard dogs are really sporting too. dogs. Right. Well, I was impressed with that. that. And with such grace and bouncy step. I mean, they were looking good coming through there. <laughs> I don't doubt it in the least. I mean, they, you know, and they're retrievers. People think they're these, you know, silly little dogs with those ridiculous hairdos. And they're actually one of the most intelligent of the dog breeds. Oh, now we're treading into Dr. Gorin's territory. So let's let him give a point for the dogs, and then we're going to have to go to commercial again. So anything you want to say about why dogs are better than cats, go ahead. Well, I mean, last us. You, know, <laughs> you know, you can have a TV show called Dogs with Jobs. I mean, you're never going to see a TV show which is Cats with Jobs. The point of the matter is that dogs have certain skills and certain abilities, uh, which not only are important to us, but which we can control. So... I mean, you know, we harness a dog's nose in, in many wonderful ways. So it's not just, you know, in, in wartime to go find explosives or in police work to find drugs. But uh, also there's evidence now that dogs can um, detect cancer. There is, we're using dogs to detect leaks in pipelines, uh, even though the pipelines uh, have been oh, buried uh, uh, 40 feet below the ground and and that sort of thing. So. I mean, you know, and, and, and them having that ability would be of no value to us if we could put it under control, if we couldn't get them to do it when we want them to do it. And that's the difference. I mean, you know, the cats may have certain abilities, but you can't really put them under control. You can't uh, reliably uh, get those behaviors uh, out of a cat. Uh, on the other hand, you have to remember also that dogs were, for the most part, you know, specifically bred to be companion animals. And dogs show an awful lot of empathy when they are around individuals. And that's one of the reasons why they are the favorite animal for using for uh, therapy. And in fact, uh, right now, the U.S. Congress has uh, allocated a huge amount of money for a research project which may end up resulting in veterans who have post-traumatic stress syndrome being given a dog for sort of therapeutic and adjusted purposes. That makes so much sense because they're triggered. The people who come home are triggered by all kinds of things that they know in their mind shouldn't trigger them, but they can't help it. Screeching tires, loud noises, crowds being touched, all these things bring them back to that situation. And if they look down at their dog and their dog's relaxed and calm, they immediately know they're okay, they're safe, and they don't have to follow through with that reaction that they've learned in the war zone. You know, they can just see the dog and know, you know what, I'm okay. If the dog's tense... 
they follow the dog out of the situation. If the dog's not tense, they check themselves. And so it helps so much. It gets these people out and working and, and happy and, you know, having relationships and families. And things are so much better for veterans when they, when they get a dog when they come home. So I think that's just great that they're figuring all that out. Okay, so Darlene, do you want to say one more thing about cats and then we'll go to our next commercial? Absolutely. I think cats can do many of the same things that dogs can do. They do differently. There are therapy cats that will sit on your lap while the plane takes off. That's, uh, and I know of a story of one woman who was forced to put the cat back in the carrier, and the next thing she knew, she was looking at the ceiling of a hospital, and she was on a gurney being wheeled through. And it was because of the same kind of traumatic stress. So cats can be used in the same way. They can be absolutely wonderful companions, and we have to get rid of some of the stigma. And in this country, it's, you know, a black cat crossing your path is bad luck. Well, a black cat crossing your path is probably trying to get to the other side of the street and should be indoors anyway. Well, you know, in Japan and in England, in Japan and England, it's good luck if a black cat... That's exactly right. Ooh, and it's listen to that. that. Dr. Corin, as much as you love dogs, your dogs are disturbing your radio show. And Darlene, her cats are not disturbing the show, I must say. No, my, my dogs were just announcing that my wife has arrived back at the house. Oh, They're that's my wonderful. biological doorbell. <laughs> yeah, I don't even have a doorbell on my house because it used to make the dogs go so crazy. I just took it off. So, because I don't really need one. By the time someone comes through the gate, they've already been announced. I don't need a doorbell. And so, the other okay. thing is that uh, if it was not my wife, they serve as a biological burglar alarm. Yeah, absolutely. And you know the difference in the barks. Okay, so oh, yeah. we're going to come back from break and talk more about dogs versus cats, cats versus dogs. Maybe we'll talk about the maintenance and care and time required because I think most people think dogs take a ton of time and big dogs take more time than little, which I don't think is true. And then lots of people think cats take no time at all, which again, uh-uh, not true. So let's come back from break and talk about that at the Animal Party with Dr. Stan Korn and Darlene Arden, my guests. And I'm your host, Deborah Wolf. Come back to this party. this party before it's over because the best is yet to come. Only losers leave the party early anyway. Party on. Back in a few. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash party, P-A-R-T-Y, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more. I play tennis because I love to, but inside, I want to win. Take away the court, the net, I might not be a player, but I'll always be a competitor. Lady Foot Locker understands that. Lady Foot Locker, the first to carry Adidas off-court shoes and the gear that goes with them. If you play your best, there's no regret. Lady Foot Locker, one place, every woman. Go to ladyfootlocker.com and enter the code AFAP10LF 
to get 10% off any order of $50 or more. Or enter the code AFAP15LF to get 15% off any order of $75 or more at LadyFootLocker.com. FTD's network of over 40,000 florists around the world have been creating beautiful handcrafted arrangements for 100 years. Each arrangement is delivered the same day and backed by FTD's seven-day satisfaction guarantee. For a century, people have trusted their most important occasions to the flower experts at FTD. Since Pet Life Radio is all about puppy dogs and flowers, our listeners, that's you, can get a 20% discount on your order. Just go to florop.com and use the code LUCKYS20 at checkout. F-L-E-U-R-O-P.com. Code word L-U-C-K-Y-S and the number 20. This year, Americans are expected to spend a jaw-dropping $36 billion on their pets. From lighted leashes to high-end spa products, the discriminating pet owner can find just about anything to pamper his or her pet. Hi, this is Michelle Fern. Join me every week for Best Bets for Pets, where we'll talk about the latest pet products and talk to the companies that make them. Best Bets for Pets, every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. You're, you're, you're inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go. Hello. We're back at the animal party. And we're talking to Darlene Arden, author of The Complete Cat's Meow. And Dr. Stanley Corrin. He's a professor at UBC, and he deals with psychology there, but he also writes books about dogs. And Born to Bark is his latest. He had a terrific book called Intelligence of Dogs, which is one of my favorites. It's flagged and tagged and highlighted and dog-eared, and it's right here. And another of my favorite books, Small Dogs, Big Hearts, is by Darlene Arden. But today she's talking about cats, so I won't bring those topics up. But we will talk right now about what I just said before we went to break. People think big dogs take a ton of time, little dogs take no time, medium dogs take some time in between. I think medium dogs take the most time of all if they're the energetic types. But we'll talk about that with Dr. Corn. And people think cats take no time at all, nothing, nothing, don't need anything. And I think that's sad. So let's have it. Do they take a lot of time, a little time? Is it true? Do dogs take way more time than cats? What do you think, Dr. Well, Corn? Well, I think that... You know, you can live with a cat without training them, but most people would find it very unpleasant to live with a dog which hasn't been trained to a certain extent. So in dogs, it's true, you have to put in some time. The real advantage is that you get out of a dog what you put into it. So the more time you put into the dog, the better that dog tends to fit in, uh, the more responsive the dog is, the better he understands things. And the better he, you know, becomes a a family member. Now, is it the case that big dogs need more time than small dogs? I don't really think that that's the issue. I mean, dogs with lots of coat tend to require more time because if you don't groom them, they begin to look like, you know, rather ratty looking haystacks. And so, uh, you know, that's going to take time. But, of course, if you don't like grooming dogs, and I don't particularly like grooming dogs, you tend to pick dogs with, which have very short hair, and you just run a hound's glove over them, and, and that's sort of enough. 
Dr. Cord, I was actually thinking of the exercise. I was thinking how so many people think they'll get themselves a border collie cross, a medium-sized sort of herding-sized dog at the pound, or they'll get a purebred, maybe a Kelpie or a border collie or a blue healer, or even a, they'll go to get a Weimaraner and they'll want the smallest in the litter. And I always try to caution them, you know, Sometimes smaller is not less. Medium dogs need a lot of exercise. Uh, what do yeah, you say about that? Yeah, the, the need for exercise really has to do with the breeds. I mean, most of the sorting breeds tend to require a lot of exercise. And this goes for the vast majority of the herding dogs, too. I mean, a border collie has to, you know, has to be worked uh, every day. Otherwise, he's going to become neurotic, and he's smart enough to make you neurotic, too. So, you know, you do have to work them and you do have to exercise them. Now, the smaller dogs yeah, the, um, tend to include a number of the companion dogs. And, and they tend, you know, there tend to be a lot of those breeds which really don't require a lot of exercise. So, you know, a Pekingese is not going to require a lot of exercise and a Bulldog is not going to require a lot of exercise. On the other hand, terriers are a lot of work. And there's a lot of activity. And, but all of this simply goes to the fact that, you know, when you're picking a dog, you really do have to pay attention to what the dog's breed is because that's going to be very predictive of, of what you're going to be dealing with for the rest of your life. Um, you know, in cats, there are some cats who are noted for sort of sounding off. I mean, we had a Siamese and that cat was, you know, voiced as much as any dog. But it turns out to be the case that if you have a terrier, regardless of, of uh, what type of terrier, it's going to, to make noise. It's going to bark. Terriers are born to bark. Okay, so before, oh, nice, nice segue to your title. So before we go to Darlene and ask her to respond to that, I just want to point out something you taught me recently. And uh, I think it was on air. Um, I found anecdotally just just from meeting so many dogs at Camp Good Dog and training dogs over the years and looking at rescue and adoption, I found, and, and you confirmed for me that the science is behind this, but I've discovered that what you see mostly is what you get. Because I want people to be able to use what we're saying today, and you keep talking about purebreds, and I want them to understand that if they see a dog that looks like it's mostly lab and they turn over its paw and it has webbing on the bottom and it has a really soft, loose, gummy mouth and it has floppy ears. It really looks like a lab. You can tell there's something else in there, but it's 90% lab. It's going to act like a lab. It's going to be yeah. like a lab. And so I'd like you to share that with people so they know just how to read a mutt, you know. Yeah, a lot of people say to me, well, you know, you're always writing about purebred dogs and, you know, and half of all the dogs are, are mixed breed. Well, it turns out the research is very, very clear that what a dog most looks like is what he's going to most act like. And this is, this is some wonderful research which was done back in the 1960s by uh, John Paul Scott and, and John Fuller. And what they would do is they would cross something like, you know, a Cocker Spaniel and a Sheltie. And, you know, if it looked like a Sheltie, then it acted like a Sheltie. And if it looked like a Cocker Spaniel, it acted like a Cocker Spaniel. And now, of course, it was not a perfect predictor because, you know, obviously you have some of the characteristics of both, of both parents. In it. But the way the genes sort out, I mean, sometimes God is good to needy researchers. <laughs> and this is one of the cases where, where he really had a simple solution. So if, God forbid, you had a cross between a beagle and a poodle, if it looks like a poodle, it's probably going to be a bright dog and have retrieving characteristics and that sort of thing. And if it looks like a beagle, it's going to have a bit of a voice and 
it's going a to bit be of a voice, a bit of a voice. <laughs> That's a bit of a voice to you. That's a beagle lover. You're a beagle lover. Okay. Well, let's let Darlene respond to all that. Thank you for filling us in on the mutts because I love mutts and I want people not to shy away from them thinking it's an unknown package. It's a very known package, especially if you're going to a rescue shelter or a foster place where someone's been living with this dog and has a diary of all the things he likes and doesn't like and what he likes to do. I mean, this is a dog who's known. Same for one who's being abandoned because the people are getting divorced or going on sabbatical or, you know, the notes at the that you can find out all about that dog. You can have it even for a day or two and check it out. You could take it for a walk, but you don't get that with a puppy. So older dogs are great matches for most people, especially older people and um, people with little kids. You want a dog that's already gone through the pee-pee and the poo-poo stage. So you're a human toddlers and crawling through that and already learned not to bite and nip and already likes kids and you can meet it and really get to know it. But knowing that what you see is what you get with breed helps a lot. Okay, so let's go with Darlene now. Darlene, can you respond to all that? Have you got a response on the cat side of town? Oh, absolutely. You know I've got a response on of the course. cat side of that. <laughs> uh, cats can be every bit as intelligent, if not more so. They can be trained. They can do anything, almost anything the dog is going to be able to do. Now, when you're talking about intelligence, are you talking about trainability or are you talking about somebody who's so intelligent that you have to be a couple of steps ahead of them in order to make it interesting because they will get bored very easily? I've already done that. Now what else do you want me to do? Show me something else. I think that's what one of the things I love so much about operant conditioning because the question becomes to the animal, show me something else. As far as grooming is concerned, cats need to be groomed and Yes, long hairs take a tremendous amount of time, and you have to be willing to do that. If you want a Persian but you don't want to groom it, then maybe you need to be looking at the short-haired version of the Persian, and there is one of those. There's all sorts of stuff that you can get into. Now, there's sphinx cats just the way there are hairless dogs, and people think because there's less hair, there's less grooming time. Well, that's not necessarily true, just like the hairless dogs. The cats get sunburned, and they're usually self-selecting sun worshippers, so just the one you don't want looking for the light of, you know, the daylight is out there. Oh, yeah, and they're, they're the type of cat who's always cold, so they're always on top of the dryer or the refrigerator the, or something like that. Sweater. And then they get they rashes need... because they're, they're in these weird places. and Yeah, so they need maintenance. They don't have they hair. Need maintenance. They, just... they also get blackheads and whiteheads just the way yes, the hairless dogs do. Yes, that's awfully lovely. So there's all, people you know... think, oh, I'm getting a hairless animal. There's no coat care. No, what you're getting is something with a defect. It's a bred on a defective gene. And now you have all this other maintenance. So do you want to use something like a slicker? And besides, you want to do the grooming time with either animal because you want to be able to spend time not just bonding, but looking to see if there are bumps, lumps, if any ticks have attached themselves, if fleas have gotten into the house. Fleas are more likely to get into the house of an indoor cat if you have a dog who goes outdoors and brings his guests home with him. Well, you know, I'd add to that, though, if you're the type of person or your kids are the type of kids that pet every dog they see and like to go to the pet store and look at pets and are in and out of the bulk sections and go into the adoption cages and pet pets, okay, you're probably bringing fleas in. If you're the type of family that's spending a lot of time at the playing field all summer long, which is a great thing. 
But there's probably fleas there too. So they're going to come in on your shoes and your socks. So you don't Absolutely. need to feel Absolutely. And what they should um, do is like have a change of clothes out natural. in the garage or in a, a laundry area and get those clothes and those shoes off before you enter the house. Because I want to say, I do meet a lot of people whose dog or cat is suffering from flea allergy or flea problems, and they really don't want to recognize that. They really think I'm saying they're dirty, and I'm trying not to say they're dirty. But if they just take a topical solution or a veterinary solution for a month or two, the problem will disappear. The whole thing's over. They may not need to do it forever. There's lots of solutions out there, but if they just rule out the fleas first, then if if it doesn't work, we can always go with something else. But it's such a And the vacuum cleaner is your best friend. And in fact, you can even get an attachment on your vacuum cleaner, which allows you to vacuum your pet as you brush them. That's true. Yeah, that's a trick you have. But to, I have a I mental suggest- image of Chihuahuas being sucked up into the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like those flexi leads, you know, where the dog looks like a yo-yo. Yeah. Oh no, with the bug eyes, and the, yeah, that dog would be very alarmed. You know, when you do this, you want to. If your dog's very afraid and shy, and it's probably not the dog to do this with. But if you've got a young puppy, you could start by just vacuuming near him. And make him be calm, and maybe one person's holding him and giving him treats where the vacuum goes near him. And then a little while later, just use the thing on his foot for a second, you know, or some part that isn't so sensitive to him. Some dogs are ticklish on their feet. Some dogs hate their ears. Some dogs don't like you touching near their rear. You know what he likes. You should be touching him everywhere, every day, dogs and cats, anyway, to get them used to you, to be comfortable with them, to find out they're healthy through your fingers, but also so that if ever they need it, it's not a big deal to examine them in case they need to go to a vet. And you need to see first if it's really serious or not. If your dog or cat won't even let you touch them in certain places, this is going to be hard. So you want to touch them every day anyway. Um, but the vacuum You want to find out if there are lumps or bumps and if there's anything they need to see the vet about. And it's a great time for that. It's a great bonding time, whether it's cat or dog. And if you're trying to get them used to this vacuum idea, do it really slowly. Do just a little bit and then stop. Give treats and stop. Really stop. Do it another day. You know, make sure your dog or cat doesn't run away or freak out as the end of it. Make sure the end's really happy and positive, And then you'll be able to vacuum your dogs like Dr. Corn. You know, I'd like to see that on YouTube. I'd like to see you, uh, you vacuuming your dogs. I think that would be a real good video. There are already videos of dogs being vacuumed on YouTube. And but it's not you. Look, but they look a lot prettier than I do. I mean, you know, oh, the dogs always yeah. look pretty. I mean, on radio, I look gorgeous. Do you know on radio I look like young Antonio Banderas? Do you? Is that the deal? Is that how I'm talking to you? <laughs> this is how radio works. Morning. I'm extremely yes. young, thin, gorgeous, <laughs> sexy. I mean, Oh, wow. Well, I, I, I can well. tell. Yeah, see? I'm like, I'm like and I can one tell of those, that Banderas look, too. I'm like one of those aliens on Star Trek that whatever the person looking at me wants to see, that's what they see. How's that? Mm-hmm. Woohoo! Wow. That works. <laughs> that works. I mean, I, I love to imagine radio, what people are thinking. That is radio. <laughs> whatever they want to see, they see. Absolutely. So, but, you know, when you talk We're, about the difference in intelligence and you kind of hinted that maybe cats are smarter than dogs because they're not so gullible about dupe, being duped into boring training and they want higher challenges. That's something I see with the standard poodle versus the golden retriever. My standard poodles are so much smarter. They open latches. They let all the dogs out. If I don't, you know, double latch everything in the kennel, they'll cause mischief. And I breed standard poodles. So I have a lot of them around. But they'll, they'll open all the cages and sit back and watch what happens. And they're, you know, they're just troublemakers. 
And, but they, they love to learn new tricks. In fact, they'll watch another dog getting attention, learning a new trick, and then they'll go over and do the trick without me even asking. Love the newness. But, um, but they're not like my golden retriever who just is so willing to please me, almost sitting on my feet, waiting for me to do the next thing. So easy, easy to train. Although, you know, teaching her to jump through a hoop might take longer than the standard poodle because it's tricky and it's new. So it's interesting how that works. Can you comment on that a bit, Stan? Yeah, I mean, uh, it is in fact the case that there are different work ethics that dogs have. And, uh, you know, a, a dog like, like the Border Collie, I mean, if you don't work him every day, um, he begins to shine, show signs of psychological stress. And there, there are some dogs which just do take direction better. I mean, every year, or, or every two years, uh, sorry, uh, I give a, a set of uh, courses, graduate courses at Bergen University, which is the, which is the home of the Assistance Dog Institute. And all of the dogs which which they use are golden retrievers and yellow Labrador retrievers. And they tend to feel that these are the dogs which you know have the patience and have the desire to sort of pay attention to the human being next to them better than any other dogs and that makes them these absolutely terrific assistance dogs now you you know you could get you could certainly train for example a doberman who's you know just as smart as a golden retriever to be an assistance dog but he'd probably be much worse because he doesn't pay attention to the human being and you know, is always casting around looking for something more interesting. And if something more interesting comes up, you know, he might stand there and evaluate. Do I want to do what you want me to do or do I want to do what interests me? So, you know, intelligence... Not to mention who's the boss today, which is a big deal with dopamine <laughs> each and every day. Who's the boss today? Oh, that's the, who's the boss today? That, yeah, well, that's sometimes a, a, an issue with Yorkshire Terry. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, big, big, strong guard dogs are not necessarily the only ones. But you know what? I've never had that issue with Rottweilers. Once your, your Rottweiler respects you as the leader, you are the leader. Dobermans, every day is a new day. Every day is like, you know, the Klingon war challenge could be today, right? Today yeah, is but, yeah, but you're, 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 I mean, you're clearly working with female Dobies because the boys no, are mush too. buckets. <laughs> oh, oh, no. See, oh, there was this breeder in Ontario that hired me to work with pretty much all of her Dobies. And I, I, oh man, could they, they could chew through, she showed me a mattress that one of them had eaten. An entire mattress. It's horrible. To even but one think. of the best assistance dogs I've ever met is a Bouvier de Flandre. Oh, that's and, an interesting pick, a stock dog. A herding and dog. that is the most wonderful. I mean, everybody wants this dog. And there's one particular breeder who breeds for temperament as well as everything else and her dogs make the most remarkable assistance dogs the one i met is frankie is totally clicker trained and he will learn something new just standing in line waiting for a table at a restaurant with her well you see now that's blue healer my blue healer my border collies when i used to take them on the road with me and some of them are just customers to do shows we'd be bored because you know you can't leave them you're in a hot place in summer you need air conditioning so I'd be staying in hotels and getting fast food and being bored out of my mind night after night. So I would train them. I'd train them a new trick every night, different dog. They'd be fetching the remote control and picking up the telephone. And I mean, you know, whatever I could come up with, getting my keys, they're just ready, ready, ready. But I wanted to say, I tried to donate standard poodles 
to BC guide dogs. Years and years ago, Bill Thornton asked me to breed some for him and for situations where they needed dogs who wouldn't shed, things like people who worked in the hospital and things where it would be really handy to have that coat. So, okay, so I started on a breeding program and everything, and sure enough, I start doing it, and he doesn't want them because since then they've tested them and found that then they found that it's not that they can't train them. It's just that they have to train them differently, and their program is designed for a certain kind of dog, and so it would take them a different program or different time or it just doesn't work as well so I thought that was interesting but so I started I felt like I still wanted to place dogs so I do still place dogs one from every litter goes to service and that's true of the golden doodles and the standard poodles and they go to um, pads and other places too but so they can they can be trained to service dogs it's just you got to do it differently well actually it, it, that that's a really good point because with dogs, you know, the, the types of training which you do are very often breed specific. Training a terrier is very different than training a retriever. I had the opportunity actually to go to a, um, a guide dog training school, which is just outside of Chicago. And believe it or not, they use only boxers in their guide dog program. And they all have evolved out of one particular boxer who turned out to be a wonderful seeing eye dog, and so they're all genetically related to that original dog. But if you look at their training program, the program which they use for the, for the boxers, and then you look at the program, for example, which uh, Paws, uh, one of the uh, seeing eye training groups is using, I mean, they look like they come from different planets. Is the boxer program way more, is the reward all about silliness? The boxer program is, is much more physical. I mean, you don't just reward the dog. You sort of slap it on its side, you know, pound, yeah, pound, you pound. Yeah, and you grab. And, and where, if you did that for Golden, he would think somehow or another that he's done something submit. wrong and he's being punished. Yeah, or she would pee if it was a female. She'd submit. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Very handy when you're going through buildings and you have your seeing eye dog with you and she's submitting and peeing whenever anyone touches her. Yeah, that wouldn't work. But the boxer is a very intense dog. I love them. Very playful, very silly. I, I love to work with them. They're like the class clowns, and people never understand that about them. It's interesting. Well, they, actually, they're not actually I had, the dog of my college years was a boxer, and she had one interesting quirk, and that is uh, she was a bit small for a boxer. She only weighed about 55 pounds, but she was exactly at the right height to hover over your coffee table, and she loved bourbon. And so you couldn't put a glass of bourbon down because if you turned away, she'd have snorked it down and didn't take very much to cause her to just wander out into the center of the floor and sort of collapse. That's funny, but it's terrible when dogs get a hold of stuff like that. They can get really sick. And sometimes they get a hold of drugs, uh, like pharmaceuticals, like pills, because they sound like candy or they smell good or they look good or they seem interesting or they smell like you. Oftentimes people go on a trip and the last thing they touch in the house, the dog will go eat it. And that could be drugs or cigarettes or alcohol or, you know, so you really got to watch it. Or your I remote have, control. <laughs> I have, yeah, or your glasses. They're famous for doing that. Glasses. Somebody's eyeglasses. Cats I had don't a, do that. Well, cats do try yeah. to steal things. So, you know, everything's a cat toy. But oh, lighters and things. money. They take your lighters and your money and they hide them under beds and edges of carpets. They're strange. They're little hoarders. They eat all your house plants. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to come back and finish this show because I have half the topics uncovered still. And I uh-huh. want to talk about which is cleaner. Which is cleaner, the dog or the cat? I want to talk oh, about well, which is more easy. athletic. 
which is more sociable and affectionate. We've got some stuff to cover, so we'll be back, everybody. This is just party one of Animal Party. Cats versus dogs. Dogs versus cats. Part one. Woof, woof. <laughs> there we go. All right, everybody. Bow wow for now and chow meow, too. Be good to your animals. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.